Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We're just going to go straight into the message today. We'll do the offering and everything at the end. Um, I just want to give you guys what the Lord gave me to give, and then I'll get out your way. Um, I'm really grateful for what the worship team and what uh, uh, not Pastor Eric did on today because it, it was necessary uh, for multiple reasons. Um, but I think that the Lord has a message to deliver today that you needed to first have that experience that you just had in order to receive what he wants to deposit into your heart right now. Um, because, you know, we're in a world where things are more divided than they have ever been, ever. We're divided on so many lines, whether that's politics, whether that's orientation, whether that's in the church itself. If you're in this denomination or that denomination, I don't like you. Social media has turned up the heat to where we have more volume on our opinions and our differences than we've ever had before. And I just think that it has created a very toxic environment across the board. And so we're in the midst of a series called Family Values, and this is part two of a four-part series. And I really think that God is really wanting us to fall back on him with every area of our life and every type of relationship that we have. So I want to set it up with a couple of verses real quick. Psalms 11 and 3 and 4 says like this, the foundations of law and order have collapsed. Does that feel familiar? The foundations of law and order have collapsed. Everything, if you're paying attention, has attempting to be redefined away from what the definitions of the Bible tell us the original definition is. Right now, there's a lot of controversy online in the sports world because of a person who was born one way, who claims to be another way, who competes in the opposite gender sports and took all the, the medals. And so culture is trying to give us new definitions of who we are as a person. Culture is trying to give us new definitions of what marriage looks like. Culture is even trying to give us new definitions of what faith is. And so, and so this verse continues on. It says, when, 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 when everything's collapsing, what can the righteous do? So that's a question, right? It ends with a question mark. You see that? The funny thing about it is, there, Psalmist doesn't go on to give an answer. He just says, the Lord. <laughs> because when everything seemingly is collapsing in your world personally, or in our world collectively, the answer is the Lord. It says the Lord is in his holy temple. This is King David talking. And there's war raging all around him and the people are worried because things around them seemingly are collapsing. But him being the king, he has this eternal perspective. Despite what he sees in front of him, despite what he sees around him, he says, the Lord is in his temple. 
And that should bring us comfort. And the prophet Jeremiah in, in Jeremiah 6 and 16, he says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. That's where we are right now. Because we are being forced in so many areas of our life to quote unquote deconstruct our faith and to see if what we believe is actually legitimate, we find ourselves at a crossroads sometimes, trying to figure out what is what. And so Jeremiah says, ask for the old godly way and walk in it. The answer is not trying to redefine. The answer is not trying to come up with new norms. The answer is, let's go back to the old godly way and walk in it. And so that's the heart of what we're gonna be talking about today and over the next several weeks is returning our relationships back to the old godly way. Because we can't allow culture to define our ways. We also can't let our feelings, come on somebody, define our ways. Because feelings and emotions lie. Feelings and emotions cannot be our ruler because feelings and emotions are fickle. Can I tell you something? Honestly, if I was being ruled by my feelings and emotions, I wouldn't be your pastor. If I was being ruled by my feelings and emotions, I wouldn't be standing before you today. And so what we have to understand is that when it comes to the relationships that we are building, in order for these relationships to work the way that God has ordained them to work, we must let the one who designed them define them. I'm gonna say that again. In order for our relationships to work, that could be your marriage, that could be your parenting, that could be on your job, that can be in your church. In order for any of those relationships to work, you have to let the one who designed them define them. He has something to say about every aspect of your relational life. I want you to write this next point down, this question I wanna to pose to you, because you're gonna to have to hold on to this question as we proceed through this message. A question you need to ask yourself, write it, put it in your notes app. Am I going to base my life on what I think or what God thinks? You know, when, when, when Eric was up here, he, he, was, he, was, um, he was really ministering a really good chunk of this message. He was setting y'all up and y'all didn't even know it. You was just singing along with him, break me! And then put me back together. He was like, yes, Lord, you was waving. <laughs> you was, Lord, use me, make me into your. But what you didn't know was there's a process. There's a process to that from breaking to making. There's an in-between, there's the two. There's an in-between process where you are gonna have to decide, I'm going to do things my way or his way. I'm going to live according to the way he has set this up 
or I'm going to live according to the way that I believe that things should go. Well, there's a verse that should help you with that. It's Proverbs 14 and 12. It says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. So again, I'm going to go back to that question. Am I going to base my life on what I think about this situation? Or am I going to base my life on what God thinks about this situation? John 10 and 10, it says the thief, that's the devil, that's your enemy, that's your adversary. He has a purpose for you, and it's to steal, kill, and destroy. And most people stop right there, like that was the end of the verse. It's not. Because there's a greater purpose that we can submit to that will trump our enemy's purpose. It says, my purpose, that's Jesus, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So there are two purposes in the earth with your name on it. But you have to decide, which purpose am I going to run after? Which, which purpose am I going to submit under the purpose that's looking to destroy me or the purpose that's looking to promote me. Here's the thing. We have to have that in our back pocket as we make the tough decisions of life. Because let me tell you something. When it comes to developing relationships with people, people be peopling. People be showing up peopling. I mean, get on your, you didn't even know you had a nerve left, but they find that last nerve to get on. And then you got to figure out, am I going to base my life on what I think? Or am I going to base my life on what God thinks? Here's what you have to remember as you look to develop and cultivate right relationships that are based on biblical standards with people, even the people that be people in. <laughs> my relationship with God is inseparable from my relationship with the people that God has put in my life. Mm -hmm. My relationship with God is inseparable from my relationship with the people that God has put in my life. Meaning that you can't go around saying you have a good relationship with God and a bad relationship with his people. The two go together. You don't believe me, so I'm going to read the Bible. John 13 and 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just, here it is, as I loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another, y'all got to pay attention to this part, will prove, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So you showing up and taking a selfie at service every Sunday doesn't prove that you're one of his disciples. Mm -mm. You posting a graphic of your pastor preaching is not proof to the world that you are his Disciples, it's how you love. Thank you for all two amens. How you love is the proof 
to the world that your God is good. So when you reshare the gossip about the church, you, you're disproving. You're disproving that God is good. Now we don't cover up, we don't overlook, but we also don't participate in the tearing down of the church. We also don't participate in the tearing down of God's people. There's some other things that we should be doing instead that we'll get to. In Matthew, it says like this, because there were some rumblings going on. They were trying to pin Jesus into a corner, trying to test out his, his thesis that he was the son of God. And so they said, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, you might be thinking, oh, the commandment, the Ten Commandments, which one? No, he, they said the law of Moses. There were 440 commandments in the law of Moses. And they asked him, which one? Ain't that just like people? I just want to know, uh, give me the shortcut, give me the cliff notes. Which ones do I need to focus on for real, for real? Some of y'all do that today. Which one? I like, I know like Jesus made wine, so can I drink a little, little, you know? Can I drink wine? Can I drink Hennessy? Beer? Like, or should I just stick to the Kool-Aid? Like we always want to go, how far up to the line can I go? (laughs) Y'all offended. So (laughs) Jesus replied, remember, they asked, which one? Right? You with me? Which one? And he answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. They asked, which one? And he gave them two because they cannot be separated. They are one and the same. You have to love God and love his people. There's a vertical relationship that he has an expectation of you. And there's a horizontal expectation of you as well. You can't go around proclaiming this awesome relationship with God. And you're the messiest person that anybody knows. I'm just reading the Bible. So the question you have to ask yourself when you are trying to analyze, where am I with God? You cannot just say, how am I doing with God? You also have to say, how am I doing with the people that God put in my life? They are one in the same. They go together. We have to treat people with the same love that God has treated us. And guess what? We were enemies of his. You don't like that. But you were born his enemy and he loved you. And so you're thinking that I can only love people that are lovable. And he's challenging you to love people like I loved you. Back when we were enemies. And so it gets tougher from here, guys. (laughs) And I know that there's a lot of people that are hurting, not just me and my family. We're hurting in one way. But even as even as the the ministry was going forth earlier, you could just see that people were getting free. People have been holding on to some things. People have been 
uh, uh, dealing with some wounds and some scars and people have just been trying to get by. People have just been coping. But that's not what God has for you. He doesn't want you to just get by. He doesn't want you to just cope. He wants you to be liberated. He wants you to be free. Mm -hmm. But there's work. There's choices and decisions um, that are waiting for us to make. Because like I said earlier, we have never been more separated. If I say one political name, it'll cause chest palpitations. If I say such and such his name. That's for one group. And if I come over here and say such and such his political name, it'll cause chest palpitations for somebody else. There won't even be a discussion. If you just think I lean in one political direction, you're going to judge me. Mm-hmm. Same thing happens in the church. If I say I'm this AME, Missionary Baptist Church, Kojic, PAW, you are going to make some assumptions about me as a person. Because that's what the culture has taught us to do. If I live in a certain zip code, you're going to judge me because you think you know me based on the zip code that I live in. There won't be a discussion. There will just be a judgment. There will just be walls of division put up between you and I because we have been trained to do so. And the Bible even warns us in Matthew 24, 10, it says, many will turn away from me, betray me and hate each other. He warns us that part of what will happen is that people will turn away from me, betray me, and also hate each other. He warns us of this, but he's not okay with this. And and you shouldn't be okay with it either. You shouldn't be okay with those feelings that you have inside. I can tell by your silence that what I was saying was true. That when you see a red political flag, you get mad if you're on the opposite side. If you see a blue political flag, you get mad if you're on the opposite side. You want to know what type of church background I came from so you can judge me. I don't know how many times people have asked, Yo, what type of church is that you got? I say, we don't have a denomination. We just love Jesus. Is that okay? Is that good enough? We love Jesus. We're that type of church. (laughs) But we're so accustomed to getting into categories, getting into groups, getting into these boxes. And if you don't fit in my box, I can't talk to you. That's not biblical. And so what we're harboring is 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 some hurt. What we're harboring is some hate. And what we're missing is humility. Now, I want to be real clear. Like some things happen in our life that that form these walls. Sometimes we get hurt by people. Sometimes people let us down. Some of us have even experienced abuse. Yeah. Some of us are experiencing grief. But what's happening is we are living in a place of unforgiveness. And it's keeping us in prison. We can't 
walk in the fullness of who God created us to be because we're carrying all this weight on our shoulder for people who ain't thinking about us. Here's what we have to understand. If you don't hear anything else, forgiving people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. Now you're immediately thinking about some unforgivable people. You are. Because people be people in. You've immediately categorized some people are just not meant to be forgiven, Pastor. And I will not be forgiven them, sir. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you a question one more time. Am I going to base my life on what I think, or am I going to base my life on what God thinks? I think why we struggle with unforgiveness is because we have a, a bad understanding of what forgiveness actually is. Um, it's not minimizing the seriousness of the offense, right? It's not saying, oh, that was no big deal, just get over it. That, that's, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness also is not reconciliation. So when God is calling you to forgiveness, he's not saying, yo, you need to go get, jump back in their life and let them back in your life. That's not what forgiveness is. It's also not forgetting what happened. Nobody's telling you to just forget it and move on. That's not what biblical forgiveness is. To be honest with you, forgiveness has nothing to do with them. Forgiveness has everything to do with you and where God is trying to take you. Back in when, a long time ago, when I was an athlete, in football, sometimes uh, during, the, during the summer training programs, we would run with ankle weights. Do they still have ankle weights? I'm an old man, so. We used to run with ankle weights on. And the purpose of running with those ankle weights on was to build up the strength in your legs and also make you faster because when you take the weights off and you run again, you feel lighter and you're able to be more agile and quicker. Some of us have forgotten to take the weights off. We have the weights of last season trying to drag them into a new season. Wondering why we're not feeling the effectiveness of this new season. Because we're still saddled with the weight of past seasons. You had a new job talking about your last boss. You in a new relationship mad at your ex. You in a new church talk, mad at me, you don't even know me yet. But you're, you're moving cautiously, I'm gonna just test it out, you know. I'm gonna visit 17 more times before, before I make that decision, cause you know the church. Cause you know the church. And we have these, these misconceptions going on because why, we're still, we're still carrying around this unforgiveness about what happened before what the last person did. And I'm not gonna allow myself to get hurt again, so I'm gonna just carry this, this unforgiveness around. 
And what you don't realize is hindering your race. What you don't realize is holding you back. It's slowing you from getting to the place, the destination that God has for you. And here's something that you need to know. You can never arrive at the destination of your purpose by looking in the rearview mirror. You're going to crash. You're going to miss your exit because you're so busy looking behind you that you can't see what is before you. The second reason that we struggle in our relationships and struggle with moving past unforgiveness is because we think that forgiveness is not fair. We think it's unfair to forgive them after what they did. We don't think that that would be right. So why would I let them off the hook? Well, let's look at the Bible again. Is that okay? There's this little story in the book of Matthew, 18th chapter, starting at the 21st verse. And uh, Peter, one of the most famous of the 12, came to him and asked, because obviously Peter was a little fed up. Peter had been going through some stuff. And he was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And he said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Have you ever asked that? He said, what, like, you know, seven times? You know, because that's the number of completion. Peter was trying to be deep. You know, I know you invented the world in seven days, so like if I... Not, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. That's 490. And that was supposed to happen in a day. So if you divide that by 24 hours, that means every three minutes you should be forgiven somebody. According to Jesus, don't get mad at me, okay? <laughs> but let's keep going. Therefore, because Jesus keeps teaching, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Other versions says 500 denarii. Uh, he couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. See, the thing about the beginning of this story is that this person owed a debt that he could not pay. He didn't have millions, it was an S on the end of that, of dollars to pay this debt back, and he was about to lose everything that he loved. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. See, the thing about a few thousand dollars is it, it might take some time, but that debt can be paid back. That wasn't good enough for him, though. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Quote, 
be patient with me and I will pay it. That sound familiar? It's the same thing that that servant said to the king. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until his debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who, have, who he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you. If you, if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart, it's a threat from Jesus. That's how serious he takes unforgiveness because forgiven people should forgive. So if I were you, I wouldn't look at that first servant with that tone of voice without first inspecting where you stand. I had a pastor friend reach out to me this week checking on me because of what it all transpired. He said, man, hey, how you holding up? Here's a aside. You should always have somebody in your life who you can be honest with. And he hit me and I said, I want to quit. I said, this is not what I signed up for. Back when the Lord called me and my wife to this, I had a different idea of how this was going to go. Would you like to hear it? Okay. We were going to start this incredible church called All Nations of War. And a year from now, I was going to be on TBN. The Word Network. We was going global, baby. We was going to change the world. That's what we world changes. <laughs> and um, so far, it's been rough. So I told him, man, I said, I'm not going to, but I, wanna, I, I, would, like to, I would like to go back to my old life. Um, I don't want to do this. I had a real moment with God this week. And I said, when you called me to do this, um, this is not what I thought would happen. Um, I said, you mean to tell me that before I ever do a wedding, before I ever dedicate a baby back to you, before I ever lay my hands on anybody to ordain them into office, you want me to do a funeral? You want me to eulogize? My mother-in-law first. That's how you want me to start. 
told him, I said, that's not fair. That is not what I signed up for. I said, God, that is unfair. And it's okay to have real conversations with God. He welcomes them. And you know what he said? Nothing. <laughs> and then the next day he said, was it fair my God. My God. that my innocent son Jesus. died for all of your sins while I watched? What do you say to that? No, sir. It wasn't fair. So sometimes we get stuck on what's fair and what's unfair, but we really don't want to have that conversation yeah. with God. Yeah. C.S. Lewis says it like this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Don't get this forgiveness thing twisted. Because sometimes we get mad at people, but sometimes we get mad at God, too. And there's no place for either in the kingdom. Because forgiven people forgive. The third reason we struggle with it is because we think we can't do it. There's no way I can forgive them after this. There's no way I can forgive them after they did that. Philippians 4 and 13 says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So if you think you can't do it, you're right. Until you bring God in until you find your strength in Jesus Christ and ask him for it, you'll never be able to do it. But the minute you surrender it to him, you'll find the strength to do it. So what do we do with these people? These people that have been peopling. These people that have been peopling who God has called us to love. First thing we should do is pray for them. Did you hear how quiet it got, Chastity? I guess I should just read the Bible then. Matthew 5 and 43. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what culture says. But I say, love your enemies. Here it is. And pray for those who persecute you. Come on. Like my pastor say, come on. Come on. We can do this, guys. <laughs> Don't tighten up. <laughs> you know, somebody had reached out to, to our church who, um, heard about us and wanted to visit. And uh, left a message, said, hey, you know, I don't have a ride. 
can somebody pick us up? And so we got the message, he said, you know, you know, we're you know, a brand new church, I'm sorry, we don't have transportation services at this time. I said, but hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see you soon, you know, on another Sunday maybe. And then, and then they responded back, but I thought y'all was Christians. Let me read it, hold on. I just, I don't want to misquote. And I thought y'all were supposed to be Christians and help others out when they need something. Now, I read this while I'm trying not to crumble because of what life is doing. So old talent was like, because I'm real good with words. And I really could have crafted something really articulate to tell this person about their self. But I just chose to pray for him. I literally did. I, I called his name and I prayed for him. He responded again, though. After I prayed, he said, he said, I guess you all are not true Christians. If you can help, if you can't help others when they need it, nice knowing you. Bye. All caps. So I'm going to pray for him again. But it was a test. Because the Lord was telling me, you got to pray for folks that persecute you. And so I can't come up here and tell y'all to do it if I'm not willing to do it myself. And so it's a choice. Like, that was a fun example. I don't know this person, so, you know, that's, that's easy. But what about the person that, that persecuting you that you know? Yeah. Person that's persecuting you that you related to. What about the person persecuting you that you love? And they turn. One of the hardest times to pray is when you upset. Do you think that's coincidental? No. Because there's freedom in that prayer for, wait a minute, you. And so the enemy just co-signed like, yeah, they're a dog. You bet not. After what they did. He wants you to be quiet. They wrong. Now he the one behind it. But he talking about they wrong. And it causes you to just tighten up and not pray. And it leaves you stuck. Do you think God would call you to do this unless he had you in mind? He's challenging you to do this for your sake. Second thing that you should do is bless them. <gasps> Y'all are so offended right now. How can I bless them after what they did to me? I ain't got no problem cursing them out. But ain't no way. I'm going to bless them. Well, the Bible says, Luke 6 and 27, but to you who are willing to listen, that's the same thing I'm going to say to you, for you who are willing to listen, I say this is Jesus, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Here it is. Bless those who curse you you. Pray for those who hurt you. So remember, we're trying to live our life based on biblical values. Not cultural norms. And this biblically based value told you to bless 
those people who curse you, those who talked about you, those who weren't there for you, those who did you wrong. He said, bless them. Eric, you might have to come back because they're not with me no more. Um, I keep reading the Bible and they keep getting more upset. Romans 12 and 14, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Is that in your Bible? Is that in your Bible? Okay. Number three, do good to them. Romans 12, 17 through 21. Never pay back evil with more evil. Let's just pause there for a second. Because that is our default. It's how we're going to get them back. How we're going to show them. How we're going to prove them wrong. The Bible says don't do that. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Like I know we multi-ethnic in here. But black people like revenge. Oh, we want to get somebody back. So bad. We really do. But it's not biblical. I mean, we come up with three ways instantly. Instantly, on sight, what you gonna do when you see them again? There's gonna be some furniture moving. I'm just gonna keep reading the Bible. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Today's message is called Bless and Release. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. See? They can't get a crumb. Y'all need Jesus so bad. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Back in biblical times, you could not feed yourself without fire. They didn't have ovens, microwaves, air fryers, Instapots. They had coals. And if you were away from the house too long, your coals could go out. And if your coals could go out, then you couldn't cook your dinner. And so the neighborly thing to do, you could, you could bring some of your coals over to your neighbor so that they could feed their families. 
And so that's what this analogy is based on. You'll heap burning coals of shame on their head. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. God is calling us higher. And so we can't be sidetracked by what society has taught us to do in the construction of our relationships. We can't only love people that fit in our bubbles. We can't only love people who have the same political affiliation as us. We can't only love people that believe the way that we believe. We have to love everybody. And a stumbling block between us and loving everybody is all that unforgiveness that's sitting in our hearts right now. So I'm going to close with this. question that I asked you earlier. It's a question that I wanted you to hold on to for dear life. Because it's something that you need to constantly reflect on as you try to get closer and closer to Jesus. Am I going to base my life on what I think or on what God thinks? The answer to that question will help you realize how committed you are to him. Are you willing to forgo what you think to find out what he thinks and then do what he says? The forgiven, forgive. I know you want to hold on to that hurt. And I know you want to guard your heart. But you don't realize that while you're guarding it, you're keeping God out of it. Because your relationship with God cannot be separated from the relationship of God's people. They are one and the same. And so as we are trying to develop these family values, he wants you to develop the value of love and forgiveness. We walk through what forgiveness is. Sometimes that forgiveness means to pray, bless, speak well of, and release. He's not asking you to hold on to that relationship or build, remix a new one. He may just be asking you to close that chapter properly and let's move on to the next one. Because God doesn't want you to attempt to arrive in a new season with old weight. Yeah. 
the two don't go together. He has some new people waiting for you. He has a new season, a new door, a new opportunity, a new breakthrough, a new relationship that he wants you to have, but you can't show up with that other stuff into it because then you'll corrupt what he's trying to do. That's why the Bible says that you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. Can't hold it. And so God wants you to bless and release for your sake. It has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with you. You can't be the new you with yesterday's pain. You got to let it go. And not just let it go anywhere, but the Bible says that you can give it to him. He says you can cash your cares at his feet. That's the best place for you to put it. Not gossiping to your homie. Don't put it at their feet. Because they're just going to pour gasoline on and light a match on it. And the fire is going to burn even more. But when you, when you bring it to Jesus... He's offering healing. When you bring it to Jesus, he's offering freedom. When you bring it to Jesus, he's offering the mending of a broken heart. But you got to bring it to him. You got to bring your pain. You got to bring your trauma. You got to bring your hurt to him. And he's able to take it. You can be honest with him just like I was. One of the things my wife said this week, she said, I don't know how else to say it, but this sucks. And you can be that real with God. And he's just holding out his hand like, I can take it. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. I can take it. Don't hold on to it, not man second more. You don't have to exit out of here with the same weight that you came in here with. You can choose to give it to him. And he has promised that he will take it. Can we stand? I want to pray for us. I want you to clear your hearts and your mind. Take all the distractions away. And just really center yourself on Jesus. He's here to speak to you and he's here for you to speak to him. Let's release some of this weight. Close your eyes. 
Father, we surrender. We hold our hands up. We give up. We've been harboring this pain for far too long. We've been holding on to this trauma, this grief, and we don't want it anymore. Your word declares that we can come to you and lay our burdens at your feet. So in this moment, we want to release to your feet that person who hurt us, that person who laid, who let us down, that person who mistreated us, that person that did us wrong. We lay at your feet the pain that came as a result of their actions. We lay at your feet the dysfunction that entered our life as a result of their actions. Father, we pray that in our honesty and our transparency with you about how this situation and this person still negatively affects us to this day, that you will take this burden, that you will take this weight, that you will take this pain, that you will take this trauma, that you will take this dysfunction, and that it will never be my portion ever again. As Fred still plays, now you need to talk to God. There are some people you need to release to God in this moment. There are some specific names you need to call out to God about. Now, and for some, you need to forgive God himself. You've been holding a grudge against God because you expected him to show up one way and he showed up in another way. Or in your mind, he didn't show up at all. And it's hurting you. You need to bless that person and release that person. Do it now. This is that moment. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.